Welcome. This is Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. We want to thank you for taking time to listen to our Sun, Salt, and Light broadcast. We want you to know and grow in the Son, S-O-N, Jesus Christ, and be the salt and the light. We'd like to thank you so much for taking time to listen to this broadcast. We simply teach the Bible verse by verse and chapter by chapter, and we believe that God changes a life one verse at a time. I'd like to personally invite you out to come and see the church. Uh, it is a very casual atmosphere, and uh, but we do take the Word of God very seriously. We meet in a non-traditional church building. We actually meet at the BFW 3966 in Divine, Texas. It's located at 211 West College Avenue, big white building right next to the post office. Our service times are on Sunday when we go through the New Testament uh, at 10 a.m. And then on Wednesday nights at 6.30 p.m. we go through the Old Testament. Uh, We have children's ministry available for both services. And if you need to get more information on the church, you can go to calvarydivine.org. If you have your Bible ready, today we'll be in Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 through 13. The title of this sermon is, The Lord God called to man and said to him, Where are you? Part 1. Here is the first half of this two-part study. So last night, uh, I'm not sure what's who was going for who or what was what. Don't really care. My my whole purpose is to make sure you have the Word of God, okay? And that's what we need to keep our focus on. We need to we need to be praying for our country, praying for our leaders. Uh, we're we're called to do that. We're we're actually asked to do that, and we should be doing that. And and I think one of the biggest takeaways I think me and my wife were, were talking about is just there is a generation of young voters that don't know Christ. And that's the church's responsibility. If we spend more time talking about politics and not doing the mission of the Great Commission, we're missing the point of the church. So Genesis uh, chapter 2, verse 16 and 17 gave us the command... And it says, The Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day that you eat of it, you you shall surely die. And so we learn that the the thing that Satan did was twist God's word. He, he, He is a deceiver of the world. He deceived Eve. And at the same time, um, when we read verse 6 now, when we get an understanding that, that she, she actually eats of the fruit in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, that's kind of where we left off. It says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for the food, uh, for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took, uh, took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Now, Sarah had brought up a question about, well, the husband was there, right? Or Adam was there. The man was there. Remember, in context of Scripture, it doesn't tell us when the man was there. At what part of the conversation was he there? Was he there for the whole conversation? Was he there for part of the conversation? We don't get that. But we know one thing for certain. God holds Adam responsible. The man's responsible. Regardless of what Eve did... (laughs) God holds Adam responsible. And, and that's the role that we play as, as husbands. Is, you know, the things that happen with our family, he holds us responsible. So Satan gets them to sin. And he, he simply does what happens in our world today, the same thing that he uses in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, 
For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eye, eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And see, there are, there are things that we need to remember is when we look at these verses, we, we know that it was pleasant to her eyes, right? It was pleasant to her eyes. So there's the, the lust of the, uh, the lust of, and the desires of the eyes. And then uh, we know that, that it would make her wise. And, and so she comes into it and into the text as we look at it with Adam and Eve. They, they show the steps of man actually yielding to sin. And this is very important for us to understand. So the first thing that happens is in the perception of sin, she looks at it. Now, this is why it's very important for Christians to think about what you're watching and what you're looking at or what you're listening to. Because everything that comes in through your eyes, 85% of it, uh, experts say that that's where we, uh, we learn our behavior. And so if you're watching things that are vile, uh, that are, are, you know, like Halloween just got over. Let's say your, your thing is I love watching scary movies. You're watching all that stuff is going into your, into your thought process. Ever, ever, anybody listen to certain music and it puts you in a mood? Like you can put on, like if you put on heavy metal, like you're ready to just go knock somebody out. Or I used to listen to, this is before Christ. This goes back, way back when. I used to listen to, uh, to NWA and, and uh, Cypress Hill. And I'd be ready to fight somebody. And I'm like, but that's what the, the music did to me. And that's, that's why we have to be careful. The things we watch on Netflix or the things that you, all that stuff is coming in. That you're intaking, you're digesting. 80, 85% of that stuff is, is conducting and moving within your behavior. And, and so sometimes you go, man, I can't, I can't understand why I'm cursing again. What are you watching? Like if you're listening to the NWA again or Cypress Hill, you're going to start cursing again because it's all they do in the songs, right? If you're listening to any kind of hip-hop today, it's nothing but pornography for the ears. That's the reality of it. And that's how the devil wants it. So we need to be very careful as we, as we look at the first thing. We need to look at the perception of sin and, and to re- realize that the woman saw that the tree was good for food. She saw it. Next, we see the, the second is the passion in the sin was good for food. It's the physical appetite. The physical appetite. And, and for men, it, it, whether it's, and for women, whether it's food, and, and for some, it can be sex. If there's a physical appetite, a need that needs to be fed, you're going to put yourself in a place of sin. You need to be careful. Because she, she saw that it was good for food. There was a physical appetite that she had that she wanted it. You need to control those appetites, those, those human appetites that we have. We've got to control them. Now, if you don't, they'll control you. Very important that you understand that. The third is the pleasure in the sin. It was pleasant to the eye. It was pleasant to the eye. So the sin uh, is advertised as great pleasure. It's going to be great. And it may, you may have a momentary moment where it seems very well. And then once you do it, Satan has you. He has you. And in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 25, it says, Choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. And after the pleasures come the eternal pain. And so simply, uh, sin is advertised as being a lot of fun. 
But the Bible speaks of, of, of holiness that produces joy. Joy. Sin does not do that. It does not do that. The fourth thing that sin does is it, it brings in pride. It brings in pride. She desired to make one wise. She wanted to be wise. So sin appeals to the pride of, of man and woman. It, it, it's, it, it attracts to our self-esteem. And that's why we have to be very careful with books that want to build your self-esteem. Those things are nothing but pride decorated to make it look acceptable. That's all you see when you go to the, the bookstore. Well, I don't even think they're even bookstores today, but, you know, it's nothing but self-esteem books. How to build yourself up, you know, how to have more confidence, those kind of things. And, and it's like those are the things that, that are, are decorated as pride that Satan uses. You want to build yourself up? Have God's Word. God's Word will build you up. And so many people turn to things that are not God's Word for their, for their building. I was in Walmart, and they were like a, a, a moment of affirmation. And I was like, what? And the, uh, she gives some Zen quote. And I'm like, what is, you see what's going on? This is a Walmart on their little radio station thing that they have. A moment of, as, uh, of affirmation. I was like, what about a moment of Scripture? Wouldn't do that. But that affirmation is not going to help anybody. It won't help anybody. Fifth, the, the, the fifth thing is you're partaking of the sin. She took the fruit, therefore, and did eat. You let your eyes dwell up on the sin long enough. You let your affections be captured by the sin. And soon enough, you'll become a victim of sin. You're partaking in it. And when sin, uh, when sin, because we have a prepared heart, I've talked to you all about this this week, I think what happens with a lot of people is you've already prepared your heart to accept the sin. You're, you're battling it here. And then over time, what happens, you say, well, wait a minute, I think it's good. I can go ahead and do this. You talk yourself right into it. You are preparing yourself. And instead of saying, look, I man, I need you to pray over me right now. I am going through some serious temptation. I don't know what's going on, but I need you to pray over me. I need, to, I need a word of encouragement. I need some help. Instead, we don't do that. We just, we just go ahead and, 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 and we allow our hearts to be prepared to fall into sin. And there's too many Christians that are just okay with just having that sin go throughout their day, every day. And it's like it needs to be dealt with. The other part is she gave also to her husband with her and he did eat. Sin loves company. Okay? That's very important for you to understand. Sin loves company. This is why I was telling you all this past weekend. When you, when you decide that you're going to walk as a new creation in Christ. You're not going to fit in this world. And you're going to be going at it alone sometimes. Especially at work. Like you don't fit in. Because you're walking in holiness. Your pursuit is holiness. Your pursuit is righteousness. You stand out more than anybody else because that's what you're doing. And then they, well, you're just a goody two-shoes, right? Why are, you, why are you always trying to, you know, to, to kiss up to the boss? And all you're doing is being obedient to God. And that's why we have to be careful because sin loves company. Hey, let's take an extra 45 minutes for lunch. They won't care. And you go, well, that's no big deal. You're stealing time from work. You're stealing. It is a big deal. 
But see, that's what, what we do is we prepare our hearts to go, yeah, it's not a big deal. That's, that's a little sin. They're all sin. There are no little sins. It's all sin. It's all sin. And it all needs to be dealt with. And be careful you don't try to drag your husband or your wife into your sin. In Daniel chapter 4, verses 30 through 33, And the king answered and said, This is King Nebuchadnezzar, It is not great, is not this great Babylon which I have built by my power as a royal residence and for, for the glory of my majesty. While the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed you for you, and you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beast of the field, and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and for, uh, seven periods of time shall pass over you until you, of you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of man and gives it to whom he will. Immediately the words were fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from amongst the men and ate grass like an ox, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair grew as long as eagles' feathers and his nails were like birds' claws. You think your sin is not going to be taken care of? It will. God will deal with it. He's long-suffering. He's patient with you. But you're not hiding anything from him. We don't hide sin from him. So they eat of the forbidden, the forbidden tree there. The, the, there was the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And they knew that the, the, the wrongness of separation of sin and the, and the Father. The tree of life was the tree of immortality. And so uh, we see why they don't deserve the immortality because they're wicked and evil at this point. Adam and Eve, they have to be driven out of the garden. And eventually God deals with the longevity of lasting years. Uh, people lived uh, before the flood up to eight to nine hundred years, and we'll actually study that when we get closer to the flood. But you know what part of that is? Why God said He's not going to have you live past 120 years? It's because we are so wicked and evil. By the time we get to chapter 4 and on, it's a mess. It's a mess. Sin is devastating. The genetic makeup of Adam and Eve was perfect. It took time for that to be worn down, and for before there, because everybody's like, "Well, how come they're not? You know, how come people aren't are living so so old?" Right? It's because there was no sickness, no disease. Their genetics were perfect. It took time for that to wear down, and then finally, God's had enough of it, and He'll do the flood. They were created perfect. And we know that eventually the genetic code it, it gets corrupted. Then death and disease starts to, to filter in. In verse 7 it says, Then the eyes both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. At this moment, that's religion. They sewed fig leaves together. That's man's way of fixing sin's problem. It can't be fixed. And something I was reading was like the fig leaves that they picked, they... These particular fig leaves had like thorns or little stickers. They're rubbing them. There's a reason you don't use fig leaves. But that was man's way of, of figuring it out. In this moment, they're, they're, they're in a, a state of understanding that death was, was emotional, relational, environmental, and ultimately physical. And Adam and Eve sewed the leaves together. They were aware of their nakedness. 
And it was to mark an emotional death rather than life. And when they heard God approaching, they did what? They hid. They hid. And these two verses show the death about which God had warned Adam in, in, in chapter 2, verse 17. It's like in that day. And he's understanding that that was not an empty threat. He thought maybe, maybe God was just bluffing. Right? Maybe God's just bluffing. He's not really going to let us die. No, you're, you're going to die, dude. You're actually going to be removed from the garden as well. And we have to be very careful because a lot of us, for whatever reason, and a lot of people in this world think their sin has no consequence. You know, I had a conversation. I remember when, when, when my, brother, uh, my brother, he gave his life to the Lord right before he went into prison. And we had, I had a conversation with my pastor because I was like, man, his sin's forgiven, cast as far from the east from the west, but you reap what you sow. You need to remember that. You, look, the son of Sam gave his life to Christ. There's something out now that, that Jeffrey Dahmer gave his life to Christ. And you go, how in the world that sin was paid on the cross? Like for us, you go, I would never forgive that. But that's Jesus. But he paid the price for that. There he reaped what he sowed. You know, son of Sam as well. He spent his life in prison. He reaped what he sowed. There is a consequence for your sin. You're forgiven when you repent. But if you kill somebody in a car accident because you were drinking and driving, and you go, Lord, I, I just I need to get right with you, and you repent, you're forgiven. But you may still have a consequence from your actions. You reaping, you're, 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 you're sown into that, and you're going to reap the consequences of it. A lot of people don't understand that. They think, well, I'm supposed to be forgiven. Why, are, why is all this other stuff happening? It's like you, that's what you've sown into all those years. In our marriage, same thing. It took a long time because, man, that, that ground was hard. It was hard in our kids' hearts. It was hard in our marriage. And God had to soften that ground up. We reaped what we sown into. There was, a, there was a, a consequence for what we did. And it took time for God to, to move. And yes, we were forgiven. We were forgiven. And for whatever reason, I thought, well, everything's supposed to just be fixed like that. Takes time. Takes time. The, the, the fun part is, is are you going to stay, stay with the Lord as you go through that? Because that's where a lot of people just give up. A lot of people give up. Like we, we expected. I was like, man, I don't know how my brother, if he's going to stay with this, if he's going to lose his faith in jail. He stayed with it. And then he got out of jail. And we were like, man, now he has access to, to alcohol everywhere. It's not like meth or something like that. This is alcohol. You can get alcohol anywhere. And we were praying, like, Lord, keep him. Keep him with you. God put him in a, uh, uh, the guy stuck him in an AA where he was at. And in that AA meeting, the, uh, what was funny is the, um, it was in a church. <laughs> and the guy who ran the AA meeting said, okay, well, if you're going you're gonna to attend my AA meeting, you need to sit in the back until church is over. And then we'll go have our AA meeting. My brother still attends that church. It's been 10 years. What's crazier is his wife struggled with addiction to a harder drug. And she went to a, um, she was facing some serious times. She was like, either you're going to go through rehab or you're going to lose your, your job with the federal government. And they went to a fireproof that weekend with Kirk Cameron. 
It was a, one of those fireproof for the marriages. And she gave her life to Christ. And she's been walking with the Lord for seven years now. God can do the work. Does she still struggle with the, the temptation of the, the drug at times? Yeah, so does my brother. But if, they, if their focus is on Christ and not on the other stuff, that's why it's important. We can, we can and it's important for us to remember that because we can, in our own, our own state, we can allow ourselves to get wrapped up in, in consequences of elections and stuff like that, and we can lose the focus that God has us on. We can. And we have to remember what, we're, what our call is. Your call is not to produce Democrats or Republicans. That's not what our call is as, as a church. It's to produce Christians, people that will follow Christ. So they felt the, same, the shame of their sin. But we know there's hope and salvation. And so when a sinner feels guilt or shame, right, uh, but the, there's, there's hope in that. If you're somebody who's struggling in sin today and you're going, I got to deal with this, that is the Holy Spirit working in you. You're His. And God is saying, look, I love you. Repent. Right? Repent. When, but when you have no remorse, you're in trouble. Because you're allowing that distance, you're allowing that drifting, you're allowing that separation of, of, of let me have time and space between the Word of God. Let me have time and space between prayer. Let me have time and space between fellowship. You choose not to come to church anymore. And you'll fall deeper and deeper into that sin because there's no remorse. And guess what? You'll be given over to that debased mind. It happens. It's sad when it happens. You know, people will reach out and, you know, they're fixing to do the, the Jesus movement, the, the story of the Jesus movement in Lonnie Frisbee. Great man of God. Samson of a man. That's what Chuck said. Spent a lot of years struggling with the sin. And, you know, you get to that place where your mind gets debased. And, but, man, you belong to God. And guess what? The pressure, the pushing, whatever it is that God needs to do to get you to wake you up. And with Lonnie, it was AIDS. And he got right with God. It's sad that it had to be that. Some people, it requires... A great pressing. But when you give your life to Christ, you're His. You're His. And if He has to take you home early to finish the work, so be it. You want to be a knucklehead and not want to do what you're supposed to do as a Christian? Look at Ananias and Sapphira. Gone. Done. He'll take you up. You don't have time. Like he don't, that's what people don't understand. Like, we have a God that, that is a God of love, but we have a God that's just. We have a God that, that as, if we're sinners and we've, we're filled with the Holy Spirit, and you have that shame, it's like, repent. That's part of having the beauty of the Holy Spirit in us. It's like telling us, no, don't do this. Walk away from this. But when we get into that disobedience and we're dishonoring God, we allow that, that to drive our life. Man, it creates distance. We have the beauty of having the guidance of God's Word. But, but not just that. You have the Holy Spirit that resides in you. It tells you. He tells you. Hey, <laughs> don't go down that road. Okay, hey, you need to turn back. You need to walk away. He'll, he will let you know. There's comfort in that. There's guidance in that. 
There's conviction of sin in that. In Romans chapter 3, verses 19 through 20, it says, Now when we know that whatever uh, the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped, and the whole world may be held accountable to God. We're all going to be held accountable to God, every one of us. For by no works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Law, the law gives us the knowledge of sin and the conviction of it. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, we know this verse very well. It says, All Scripture is breathed out by God, and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. God breathed it to teach you, to reproof you, to correct you, and to place you on a path of righteousness. You get off the road, he's going to, let's get you back. You fall, let's get you up. He's going to put you back on the road to righteousness. But if you want to be hard-headed, and you want to be disobedient, and you want to create distance, he's going to let you do it. And let me tell you, there's a lot of Christians that have done that, and they've, they've placed themselves on a very wide road. And God is trying to put them back on the narrow path. Remember, Adam and Eve were given the opportunity to do what? Repent. What did Satan get? What did the angels get? They're, they're going to be judged. They're sentenced already. There's no road to redemption for Satan. There's no road for redemption for the angels that fell. But there's a road to redemption for you. For any one of us that choose to follow Christ. You have a road to redemption. But for Adam and Eve... They had everything they needed. They had choice. They had everything. Perfect in the garden. They chose the wrong thing. Their free will got them in trouble. You know what's funny is God doesn't owe you any grace. God doesn't owe you mercy. But He gives it. He gives it. Because He loves us. Because God is love. He is a merciful God. In Nehemiah chapter 9, verses 16 and 17, it says, But they... And our fathers acted presumptuously and stiffened their neck and did not obey your commandments. They refused to obey and were not mindful of wonders that they performed among them. But they stiffened their neck and appointed a leader to return to slavery in Egypt. But you are God. You're, you're a, but you are a God ready to forgive, gracious and merciful slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and did not forsake them. A God ready to forgive. Isn't that a beautiful verse? A God ready to forgive. A God that's gracious and merciful. Abounding in steadfast love. That's our God. That's our God. And we're all stained from sin. Every one of us. I think my, my Grace, poor Grace, I think she lied to Teresa this, <laughs> the other day. And nobody taught her that. But we're all stained with sin. She's four, four years old. Four years old and she already figured that out. And it's just a reminder how, how sin affects us, even at a young age. Even at a young age. But God had a plan set because He's a God of grace and mercy. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 and 5 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessings. 
in heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, and that should be holy and blameless before Him. In love He predestined us for adoption to Himself as the sons through Jesus Christ according to uh, the purpose of His will. Before Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Right? What a beautiful verse that is. He chose us. He chose Him before the foundation of the world. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 and 10, it says, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. I would like to thank you for taking time to listen to our broadcast. This is uh, Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. If you're someone like me who is, uh, listens to a lot of podcasts, you can also listen to us on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Audible, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Pretty much wherever you can find a podcast, just type in Calvary Chapel uh, Divine and you'll, you'll be able to track us down. And lastly, I just wanted to invite you out to church. Uh, we are a casual church that meets in a non-traditional building, uh, meaning that we meet at the VFW 3966 on West College Avenue, big white building right next to the the post office. Uh, If you want to get more information about our church, if you need to ask uh, some questions or you even need prayer, just go to calvarydivine.org. And uh, we want to thank you again just for listening to this broadcast of Calvary Chapel Divine Texas, Sun, Salt, and Light Radio. God bless you. Have a good one.